You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. It's always draft season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here with you guys again on this beautiful Friday. Uh, the fall air, it's in full swing uh, in the Midwest, which is really, really nice. Uh, get the leaf changes, and obviously, we're really in the thick of things in the football season, and that's really, really fun, no doubt about it. Um, really quick, I wanted to hit on this first before... We get into kind of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, again, this is basically a lot of it based on what I've seen Thursday. Uh, so you're going to kind of get that from me a little bit uh, in terms of uh, of draft focus for the first half. We'll obviously get into prospecting for Packers uh, down the line a little bit in this show again as, as usual. But I wanted to bring this up because listening to Packer After Dark, I think it was... Uh, I want to say it was Saturday night's one where uh, someone called him to back in it after dark and asked a, a draft question. What would you do, you know, if you're the Bears and you come up with a top pick next year? And Ryan obviously did outline that there is this show for for those type of questions. Obviously, Ryan can certainly answer them as well as anyone else on this network because it's a great group of of podcasters and of of football watchers and we know ball around here you know all that all that good stuff but did he did point out obviously that this is where we we have you know draft questions and we can obviously make this part of the show every week where it's just like all right you know you want to throw some mailbag questions our way let's let's do that and i figured i just because it was at the top of my head and watching chicago's disaster tonight uh, pretty much across the board in another really rough Thursday night football game. Figured I'd I'd answer this one basically. So it was basically along the lines of what would you do, you know, if you're the Bears and you have a top pick uh, in next year's draft. And so I think the toughest thing, obviously, to solve is quarterback. And what I do think makes this very interesting is, you know, when you look at at Justin Fields. And what he is and what he has kind of become in a transition to the pro level. I don't know 
if he is the right fit, even even as much as Luke Getze wants to tune things and fine-tune things to help him out, and there was a lot of that in this Washington game. There was a lot of rollouts. There was a lot of, you know, you can do this with your legs if you want to. You know, taking the deep shot to Pettis for the touchdown, like that. those are good stuff. We need to have him take deep shots because that's what I think Ohio State allowed him to thrive in, uh, you know, in school was, all right, yeah, we'll let you take these deep shots. We'll let you layer these throws. You know, you, you, you have that confidence. I want to give you the throws that give you that confidence, right? And so... I I think I, I and I think it's what's best for Fields as well. I would probably trade Justin Fields. And it's hard to say that. It's hard to say that really in terms of the way I evaluated him, this has not been even remotely close to what I thought. So this has kind of basically been an L. And you kind of if, if I was a, a the GM of the Bears at this point, I would be like, man, we have to really kind of swallow this this L. Uh, see what someone can get for him. I do think, even though they just drafted QB in the third round, it's, it's only the third round, that Atlanta is kind of the fit for fields. This is, you know, obviously wide zone, outside zone run. You know, they're going to run the football a ton. The offensive lines look better in Atlanta. And you have the ability to take shot plays with, you know, Kyle Pitts, with Drake London. You can work the quick game as well. Like, th- this... These rollouts, these boots will give you opportunities to make throws on the run, make plays with your legs. Like they don't need you to be, you know, Superman in this offense necessarily, right? As you continue to hone in and continue to understand, okay, now this is a new offense for me. What am I going to do about it, right? So I think I would do that. I think Atlanta should come calling because I do think it makes a lot of sense in in their offense. And if you know Atlanta, it doesn't work out for them, and they're still bottom you know, of the pack, then we know we look at 2024 with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Quinn Ewers, and you feel pretty good about that. So not to get way ahead and way off the question, but so what I would do at right now, so right now the Bears are at five uh, in Tankathon's NFL draft order, which is the order. Um, So they're fifth right now behind Carolina, Detroit, and Houston. Not loving that because I feel like that's Young, Stroud, Levis in that order right now. Or possibly Levis, Stroud, Young. So if Carolina has that first pick by the end. So that would put you in a a precarious spot. Now, if you're the Bears and you're picking at, or I'm sorry, pick six. I said pick five. That is my fault. Uh, it It is the sixth pick right now. If they were at the sixth pick and I'm the GM and I'm I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can move up. You know, maybe Vegas at two would like to trade back with me. If I can do that, there's no hesitation. If CJ Stroud is available at two, I'm moving up and I'm taking CJ Stroud. Um, if that's not an option and you know, Detroit gets up to two or Houston gets up to two, and I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable taking Will Levis. Uh, I know Tom McShay hasn't reported about Levis, and we talked about this last week, about him being potentially the number one overall pick. That would be great. Um, that would be really great uh, if you're looking at, you know, uh, whether or not now I'm moving up for Stroud or Young, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'd much rather have Levis be off the board, uh, personally. Uh, so that would make things easier. But, you know, if all three quarterbacks are off the board, I would be I would be hard pressed not to take a Will Anderson if he's there or a Jalen Carter if he's there. 
I think those are the two blue chip defenders in the class. I would also very much consider Brian Brzee at, at six. I think his ability to change the game, wreak havoc from the interior. I think, it, you know, quick, violent hands, you know, the arm over move, rip, everything to kind of be a one-gapping, rushing tack, defensive tackle, but also be able to shed and leverage your gaps in the run game. I think he is maybe just hanging out right below that blue chip tier, I think. So Brian Brzee would definitely be there for me. I, I would be hard-pressed, you know, I think in this scenario, Paris Johnson from, from Ohio State, left tackle, I think he's made a fantastic transition out there from right guard. You know, the footwork's there that, you know, the flexibility, you know, we're mirroring routes. If, you know, you're going to work me outside to inside move, you know, with the, with the selling your speed on the outside that I have the footwork to, I can, again, quickly reroute, you know, my feet, shuffle, stay in front of you with ease. Like, I have the functional athleticism to handle all of that. He's shown that, right? And Paris Johnson, I think, will be a top 7-8 pick in this, in this draft because I think, Again, when you look at this elite size, elite athleticism, and, and all the tools that he is showing for being a high recruit, I think he's going to be a top pick. So if I'm Chicago, you know, maybe Brian Brzee's the pick. Let's let's call it that. Or Jalen Carter, one of the two. You know, if you get Carter there, you're going to go Carter. But let's say it's Brzee. But if again, if I can move up and get C.J. Stroud, I'm doing that. And that brings me to what I wanted to talk about today. And I apologize to the Packer folks uh, if this is going to get very Bears-centric kind of, but when I answered the question, it was like, wow, we're trading one Ohio State quarterback for another Ohio State quarterback. And people immediately, I think, will go to, well, Ohio State quarterbacks aren't good uh, in the NFL. One, we need to stop this, this talking point. We need to find a new slant with this helmet scouting stuff. If you're following people who are telling you to helmet scout, that's mistake one. We need to hold each other accountable in this space. Stop doing that. Not everybody's the same player. They can bust for different reasons. In okay, You can't tell me that Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields are the same player. You can't tell me that. Right, so they're not just both Ohio State quarterbacks. They they were not the same player, right? Haskins, I think, read the field actually a lot more confidently than Fields does. Okay, right, and, and Fields was obviously a way better athlete. He w- didn't have to be the statue in the pocket, right? He was able to win, you know, on the move, make throws on the move, right? So they played a different game, first of all. So that that helmet scouting thing bothers me, and it should bother you. I don't know. Why people are, are using that, again, like it's like, okay, if, if there's another quarterback prospect that comes along, right, and you go, oh, well, you know, this is going to be a USC quarterback, you know, Caleb Williams. We're going to be talking about him next summer, next fall, right, a lot more leading up to the 2024 NFL draft. And people are like, oh, Sanchez was bad. Sam Darnold was bad. How can you even potentially justify taking this guy, right? And then they'll go you know, see the stat line and I, I would never stop there. Obviously don't just box score scout because it doesn't give you a turnover worthy plays, big time throw percentage, pressure to sack percentage, like all, all those good metrics that you can find. Right. Um, but you watch Caleb Williams, and you're like, wow, there's some very Mahomesian things that he does. And that's exciting. Um, but back to the helmet scouting thing, like this is, you know, there was a tweet tonight. I'm not going to say who it was, but there's a tweet tonight, legitimately, 
for an account that has 252,000 followers, okay? Not saying they're all all real accounts, but has a lot of following, saying that about Justin Fields, not a good series for CJ Stroud draft stock, okay? Like, okay, and, and he even following it up, right? It was a joke, although if you don't think the recent Ohio State QB track record will be in the minds of evaluators, either consciously or subconsciously, or being naive, that sounds like bad evaluating to me. Does it not? If it's in your subconscious, you need to figure out why that's seeping in and knock it off, okay? Like, I I don't know, because like as soon as there's a successful Ohio State quarterback, it's gone, Right. And are you going to flip the other way? Right. Like CJ Stroud, let's say CJ Stroud's good. And, and again, completely hypothetical, of course, because we don't know that. Right. We don't know if he is going to be. Right. We make the educated guess. Right. But let's say he is. Right. The next guy behind him, I think, is Kyle McCord. Are we going to automatically assume now that CJ Stroud was good, that Kyle McCord is now good? Are we going to flip the script to 180? Or are we going to evaluate this guy one at a time with Stroud like we're going to do this time? Right? So now is the subconscious going to flip? Does the subconscious now tell you that the next Texas Tech quarterback is going to be good because Mahomes was good? Or what are we doing? Right? So you can flip that subconscious nonsense both ways. Okay? Don't don't get it twisted in like the fact that like, okay... Like, Alabama running backs have been pretty good, right? Like, there have been some pretty good Alabama running backs. Not everybody's Trent Richardson, right? Like, Najee Harris is not having a great season and doesn't look like he's going to be worth that first-round pick that Pittsburgh used on him. But let's not sit here and say he's Trent Richardson, right? And, like, so the the Bama backs thing, right? And so we're going to continue to do this. We do it, obviously, way more with quarterbacks. But, like, we have to stop this. We need to be accountable in this. Okay, that's the first thing I want to talk about with this. And I'm I'm like even sending myself off track. But, oh, man, like we can't sit here. And this is why, again, evaluating is not an easy task. And it is super cool when you hit on on players and you you put put your foot down on some guys that you evaluate. And you're like, this guy's going to be good. I don't know why the NFL is overlooking this guy, right? And, you know, you take your win and let's keep rolling, right? Let's keep rolling. We got to keep evaluating because we're never going to be perfect, right? We're missing left and right every draft class, every single one, right? So, like, and why did we miss? And maybe the subconscious thing is real, but we have to eliminate that, right? The, um... The, the example that I think would would make sense in this scenario is you look at Tariq Woolen, who is playing some really good football in Seattle this year as a rookie, and he was a fifth-round pick. I wonder, again, if he's a fifth-round pick, why? UTSA, small school. Don't believe in the small schools. Don't take the small school players early. Wait on them. We just don't believe in the level of competition. That now level of competition, like a helmet scouting thing, is now seeping into your evaluation and creating the subconscious and creating the bias that you can't have. Okay? 
I'm not saying that the that the level and again the level of competition is probably a better um thing to look at than per se a you know a helmet scouting, but at the same time you can almost bake some production metrics into the level of competition. And I think again, I it's it's hard for me because like that's the thing with Trey Lance was like, oh, level of competition. Right? And and not that Carson Wentz has been good since twenty seventeen, but Carson Wentz is still a starter in this league, right? And he kind of beat that level of competition. Josh Allen played at Wyoming. Okay. What kind of competition are we getting out there? Like I know they're in a group of five conference and not the FCS like like North Dakota State is. But we're playing against, you know, again, Boise State's not bad. Nevada, San Diego State, San Jose State. Do those sound like, you know, level of competition things? Not really. So that's why, again, it's just, it's very, it's very difficult, right? Because we don't even have, like, as evaluators, a full picture, right? We're not in the room with, you know, Ohio State's offense, since I'm using Fields and Stroud for this, most of this example. We are not in the room going, okay, this is the offense. And again, I'm not saying that people can't do the research, can't learn on your own. I'm still growing in this. I'm still learning on, you know, passing concepts and how to read certain coverages and where you're and why coverage is dictating where you're throwing and all this stuff, right? That makes football this endlessly complicated, endlessly fun sport to to cover and to follow and to research and to enjoy, right? So we're taking in so much info from analysts, coaches, et cetera, on social media. We're using incomplete information. We're trying to piece together incomplete information to bake that into an evaluation, right? And even if we're seeing like the all 22, right? The college football black market tape, I can't tell you where I get it. Um, even if we're using that, we're still, again, we're not, we, we didn't, we're not a, a coach, most of us. We, hope we know more than we do we probably don't know as much as we think it's just the truth okay so and this is what's interesting about this because i saw i've seen so much about ohio state's offense and i've seen big accounts tweet completely different things big account works on defense a lot big patreon following a coach someone who's widely respected in the space saying that the field stuff, the offense isn't difficult. It's a simple offense with a lot of talent at receiver, a lot of open players. It gives you that confidence to be a better quarterback, right? And you can bully competition too. So seeing Ohio State as a simple offense when I've seen a lot of people talk about Ohio State being a pro offense, if pro, pro offenses can be simple, um, Simple offenses obviously can be pro. Like, I don't know. It, simple offense, now you're hearing it's a pro offense. Pro offenses can obviously help quarterbacks out just as much as college offenses can. So I don't know what that tweet means, and I don't know how much now it's like that's going to conflict with, you know, okay, Ohio State still teaches these pro concepts that you have to learn, and, you know, it's not the easiest thing. So that's that's from two different people now that i respecting the space and it's like okay well which well which is it is it a part of both how can that how can that be right so that and then we're going back to obviously fields right and, and what he was in college where you looked at it and you were like ah accuracies and he and he had bad games but like 
if you were in that revisionist history, like hindsight's 2020, oh, I knew Fields was going to be bad. Let's have a conversation about why. Because, again, I think the the thing that held him back that a lot of people were concerned about is the eyes dropping to the rush. The It wasn't, oh, he can't get past the first read. That was nonsense, okay? It was the, he holds the ball too long. He's still big game hunting on a lot of plays. He takes sacks because of that. And now you're in the NFL where pressure is quicker, you know, and, and everything requires split second faster of timing and precision that maybe Justin Fields just has the yips sometimes, right? Like, again, take take tonight for an example, okay? It was not a good game from him. And the difference is that there were flashes across the board where you're like, okay, well, he's reeling me back in. And yeah, there there were some some good stuff tonight. But again, early in the game, might have been the first drive, third down or second down. We're missing a dig route. It, it's cover one, middle field closed. So maybe he's thinking, ah, the safety can break on this. But the safety was still backpedaling. He was he was deep enough where you go, okay, this there's enough separation on this dig route where if I put this in the right spot, there is no way the defender can touch this football, and we're gonna keep moving the chains. I don't know if he didn't see it. I don't know if the eyes dropped. We'll have to wait for the, for the coach's stuff to come out. But for whatever reason, misses that throw. He takes sacks as he often does, right? He did that a lot tonight. He took sacks. He's holding on the ball too long, okay? But at the same time, you know, and he also missed that easy touchdown pass, which, you know, it, it's fair. Packers fans were clowning him for it. I understand. That's the rivalry. That's how it goes. But then we have, I think, the drive after he missed that dig route. Beautifully layered touch pass to Cole Komet. Very nice throw. In between leveled zone defenders. What's 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 more to say about that one? And then and then the touchdown pass to which I thought was what is it? I thought was a drop because for some reason you know you see Pettis kind of switch the ball to his other hand, which was weird, but still maintain control, whatever. But the forty plus touchdown heave to Pettis, that's what we saw at Ohio State. You know he's taking those shot plays and he's hitting them, and that's a confidence booster. That throw that is great, right? And so, and then the final play comes down the wire. He made some plays on the move. He was he was a good runner. Obviously that's what he does. You know they got him into a little bit of a rhythm at one point. You know, getting him outside the pocket. He's you're giving him easy throws. He can make those on the run. Like that's what we we've seen that. But at the end of the game, fourth and goal, need the touchdown to win. Stopped short. Mooney can't corral it right away. Would have been a score if he did, but we fall short and lose 12 to 7. Um, a lot of people after the game were like, hey, David Montgomery in the flat in the other direction, wide open. So... That's that's this is that talking point where it's like, okay, well, you hear this, but at the same time, it's like, wait, that that feels very much like the group that goes and, and freezes a clip and goes, this guy's open. Now, I will say I have done this before. I have looked at the coach's film. I remember doing it last year. 
out of a reflex. I, I've done it several times before that in years past where I'm like, ah, oh, he's open, throw him the ball. And, and, and it was Devonta Smith. And because I, I kind of irked at Jalen hurts and not find him getting him the ball because I think he's a really talented receiver and he is like, man, he's open. Just throw him it without thinking that, Oh, maybe Jalen hurts is reading, you know, top down on one side. And maybe that, that, that Devonta Smith is a, is a clear out route that that's kind of moving a safety out of position that I want to hit this guy behind him running a similar route. Right. It, it, all these variables like, okay, this coverage is kind of dictating that, you know, this is going to be a clear out route. Basically, this is going to draw two defenders, this guy, and we're going to hit somewhere else. And so that happens. Right. And that the Montgomery thing is again, yeah, he's running that swing route to the flat. He is the number four in, in the read and Ben Solak from the ringer. Fantastic. Love listening to his stuff. Love reading his stuff. Did a little breakdown and was like, listen, this is one-on-one man coverage. Mooney running a whip route, which he did run a whip route, but the route depth wasn't very good. Uh, he didn't really get in the end zone. So that doesn't really help Fields out. The timing was a little bit strange, but but kind of Fields was in the drop as Mooney was breaking. And Ben Solak completely nailed it. Goes, you are you going to throw it, you know, velocity on a straight line like knowing you got a you threw one off a helmet for a pick earlier in the red zone are you going to throw this touch pass you know you missed one earlier in the red zone that, that you can't miss right and and maybe that's kind of the yippy stuff with fields because i'm thinking about all that stuff right now in my head and that's and the mental stuff of quarterback is is important the mental stuff and confidence is important but he puts it on the money he puts it up high he gave mooney the perfect chance to make the play and if he catches it Right at the you know right at that initial catch point, touchdown, game winner. Bears are going home. Bears are staying home, I guess, three and three, and they're going to be, I think, in New England, I think, next week. But neither here nor there. But like, Bears are going in three and three. If if Mooney catches that pass, now it's one play, of course. But it's like, why didn't you hit Montgomery? He's wide open. Well, if you look to the other side, there's a lot of zone coverage there because there's a lot of lot of defenders with their eyes on fields and what he's doing. So it looks like it's man on one side, zone on the other. And from the looks of it, first off, that's a swing route that's way behind the line of scrimmage. You're asking Montgomery to potentially beat two or three defenders to the end zone. You're not going to throw it to the end zone on fourth and goal? Like, I get we're in the age of yak, and that's great, but, like, you're really going to throw that? One, you have to turn your hips to the other side of the field to make the throw. You're not going to toss it behind your head, obviously, right? Like, you're not going to do that. You have to turn around and make that throw and throw it at. Like, by the time you do all that, there will be three defenders in Montgomery's lap. He's not scoring. So the idea of, like, oh, he was open, better throw him. No. Again, incomplete information. Obviously, Mooney's the read there. Fields made a pretty good throw, and boom, there you go. But, right, so, like, when we're evaluating, we're always very hyper-focused on the player. We need to work on, and myself included, on the surroundings, you know, coverage. Watch it through to see what the concept is. Maybe draw it out and be like, all right, what are we? What coverage are we working against? Why does this work? What's the number one read? And if that takes, you know, going through like, you know, 
offensive strategy books and you know the passing game books and, and and courses and all that to get to the point where you're more confident with it okay perfect because then you're starting to build a better picture right and that's where we're seeing you know oh this is a qb's read this is the cornerback's key in this coverage this is a run fit you know does the linebacker need to be scraping here or you know as the as the edge defender is crashing right and spilling into this you know all of those things that's a lot right what's the running back reading in front here where's his first you know read is he looking for the cutback lane first like all, all that stuff it's a lot okay and so like the justin fields eval is a strange one and he hasn't he hasn't lived up to it and that's that's very clear but if i'm going to circle back around to kind of full circle this thing and i know we haven't taken a break and it's almost been 30 minutes i apologize but I want to put this out there because with fields, the, the, the yips and all that stuff is there. And I don't want what we've seen deteriorate of sorts with fields as to his confidence and his processing skills as a quarterback in the NFL to seep into our evaluation of CJ Stroud. Don't let the helmet scare you off because I'm going to tell you just a couple things that that I want um, you to keep in mind uh, when when you're looking at Stroud and how that compares to what Fields was at Ohio State because I think it's important that we do that really quick before we go to break, okay, because Justin Fields you we there the talking point about it was that he holds the ball too long that's going to lead to sacks it's going to lead to pressure right QB sacks are quarterback stat like he's causing these issues he needs to speed up his process the process is okay at the college level right getting to second read getting to third read he was doing that he was just wasn't doing it fast enough the game wasn't clicking fast enough for him and clearly hasn't done that yet for him okay CJ Stroud is a different player. Stroud wins from the pocket at a fantastic rate. He is not that mobile. He can he has improved with his playmaking on the run, but that's definitely not where he was last year at all. He's winning from the pocket, he's operating quickly, his pressure to sack percentage as a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Bears. Stroud at Ohio State versus uh, Fields at Ohio State. The pressure to sack percentage for Stroud is way lower. Like, I think like 14, 12, 14% lower. That is a stark difference between a even a quarterback who's limited a little bit mobility-wise versus a mobile quarterback. And still the pressure to sack percentage is better for Stroud because a he's decisive he's accurate he's poised he can maneuver he under he's not going to run into pressure he's going to find the outlet find that exit ramp to evade it get into space where he can keep that platform and make throws so the the field's eval shouldn't drive your Stroud eval I know I get it okay I understand 
I'm really excited about this draft because I think one of Stroud or Young is going to be good, and we can put the Alabama and Ohio State stuff, one of them at least, to bed. I kind of hope it's Stroud because I think Tua, Hurts, and, and Mac Jones are kind of finding their way as Alabama quarterbacks, which would never succeed, right? Because, you know, they had Greg McElroy and Jacob Coker and A.J. McCarron back in the day. You got to be kidding me if you don't think that that Jones even. I know Jones has a similar type. I get it. But Jones, Hurts, and, T- and Tonga Vailoa, they're different players, right? They were They were doing a lot. They were pushing for Heisman's while the quarterbacks of a no-name, they were no-named quarterbacks basically at Alabama when they were winning titles early. So it wasn't the same. So let's not do the same. Oh, he's the same as Fields. He isn't. So don't do that with C.J. Stroud. Evaluation is hard. All that stuff. Let's take a break, and we're going to get prospecting for backers. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, guys, back here. Uh, finish up the show with a little prospecting for Packers. I I do, I think, want to keep this a, a little bit shorter for you guys on this Friday. I know we've, we have we like to recycle a lot of names here because I, I do think it is uh, important to 
look at um, a lot of these guys in better um, better games versus better competition. I know I'm bringing up the competition thing, but it's like it's good to see how they fare in in big time matchups. I do think that's important. Like I said, in, in, when I was talking about it, the level competition thing isn't like this this primary. I think is probably how I should have worded it. It's not the primary part of the eval, right? That's kind of like an add-on like, oh, how'd he do against this? He's good, but how'd he do? Like that's more of a secondary type of tool. We're going to use it though when we're doing, you know, this this type of thing because we want to see the top matchups and that's that's what we're here for. That's that's what the this college season is for in terms of draft you know you're going to go back but you want to see some stuff live and you and you'd like to see how they perform live I, I want to talk about this guy because again Packers fans as much as you know maybe you don't want to hear this I, I still think receivers in play next year in some capacity Rasheed Rice uh, from SMU a lot of people been been beating the drum for Rice so far this season it makes sense why? I mean, 6'2", 203, 46 catches, 687 yards, four touchdowns so far this season. He is going to have his best season. Uh, already actually has. So his, his last two seasons, 670 and 683 uh, as a pass catcher. What I think stands out is, again, he's a ball winner, uh, but he's just he, he's tough. He's got great contact balance. He's going to win at the catch point and win after the catch. Is he the best route runner? No. Is he efficient enough? Yes. This could be kind of a Lazard-ish type of player. I think that you're looking at in Rice. That's more of that that type. I, I don't. This isn't like an over ex, overly explosive player, but they do get him the ball creatively. They get him, you know, touches from the backfield, and that's where you're like, okay, this is ball winner. This is post catch guy. So he does play. Friday night against Navy uh, on ESPN. That's that's one to watch. I, I think you just tune in just to watch Rice and see how he plays. Uh, again, I want to bring up, again, the tackle position because I do think it's it's very important uh, to look at because, again, I think the Packers are going to be in the market for a tackle. I, I think that's very clear. I know we want Zach Tom to be the guy who steps in at some point this season. If he does, great. And maybe we're not talking about as much by the time the draft rolls around, but I think we got to at this point. Uh, Penn State plays Michigan. Fox, early slate. Uh, Olu Fashanu. I'm doing something, uh, a piece on him for Rise and Draft right now. Uh, probably finished by the time you're listening to this, but I do, as as much as the grades have kind of come down as we've gotten into big Big Ten play, which I think is is something to definitely watch. From from the games I've seen, Purdue and Auburn and Northwestern, I really like what I see as a pass blocker. This is kind of, I do think, the tackle version of John Runyon, where it's like, okay, I need the angles. I need you to reach block a little bit better, you know, when you're running zone. You know, can you seal off that backside for me? But as a pass protector, everything is just smooth and in sync and varied enough to where like, okay, you, you know, defender's not saying, okay, he's 45 degrees setting or he's oversetting every time. Like he, he's changing up the script a little bit with how he gets out of his stance. And that's, I think, important as a tackle. You never want to tip your hand. You never want to be doing the same thing over and over. 
because NFL edge rushers will find your weakness. He does a good job with that. He's got good footwork. He's got great balance. You know, the power's there. Everything is there as a pass protector. And I think you're going to get, again, kind of almost five-star matchup stuff here against Michigan. I, I know they don't have like this the headliners normally that they normally do with Hutchinson, Ojabo, right, Uche, like they did in the past rushing right now at least in terms of draft eligible players but i do think it gives a stern test because michigan recruits high profile players high profile athletes and again another guy mozzie smith who uh is doing really well this year as a run defender this is that type where you're like all right you know we we feel better in a joe berry defense which we might not be in next year but you know if you you want to have less in the box still this is a, I think Mozzie Smith and I've, we've talked about him before Feldman freak list guy. Like this is a freak athlete who can stack and shed with the best of them in the run game. Like this is, again, this is another, another guy you, you want to be watching him and they're going to be Fashano and Mozzie Smith are going to be this on the field at the same time. So it's a great one to tune into. Now I want to talk about another tackle. We talked about Ant. Uh, Anton Harrison they're facing Kansas Oklahoma is so that's one if you want to tune into that one I've talked about Harrison I think either last week or the week before I I like what I see if you want to tune in to watch him at left tackle that makes sense as well but I do think there are a couple others that I would want you to tune into first Uh, they're both at 230 so this is kind of a you know pick pick which one you'd like or put both on but Blake Freeland, 6'8", 305, I know that the, the height for me was, I'm concerned a little bit, of course, um, with the height because, again, when you're that tall, defenders who, you know, explode out their stance, stay low, can leverage you, low man wins type of stuff, that, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. And especially if, you know, you don't have the anchor to counteract, you know, potentially leverage losing plays off the snap with speed to power you know you feel like that you know you there's you're not a lot of knee bending you know you feel like that that you are at a little bit of a disadvantage every single snap Blake Freeland has definitely answered the call uh best games in terms of grades this year are against Oregon and Notre Dame okay not oh his best games against Utah State it isn't. It wasn't his best game. His best pass blocking game was against Wyoming. So that's, you know, not as good. But again, he had elite grades across the board against Notre Dame. Oregon, the run blocking was was stellar. This is a good athlete, a good space blocker, packs a punch when he can square you up. Like this is a really sound pass protector too, though Blake Freeland in the vein of Olu Fashanu, but has graded better. Uh, he is allowed uh, just seven pressures and 210 opportunities to this point. BYU is playing Arkansas. Another level up in competition from what they're used to as an independent school, though Though BYU is joining the Big 12. They've always been Mountain West. Arkansas is a bit of a step up. They've got horses on that defensive line. Um, not, maybe not ones that are going to challenge the first round of the NFL draft this year, but Trey Williams is still there, I believe. And we were talking about him last year as more of a day three guy, but that's still potential potential NFL player, reserve guy or not. So probably worth 
worth a little bit of a look for you. I, I do think Blake Freeland is worth your time anytime BYU is playing against a top school, and they are this week. Uh, even though they're not ranked, Arkansas is still a, a tough, tough team. Syracuse and North Carolina State. Matthew Bergeron, okay? Grades are a little bit all over the place, but just three pressures allowed in 164 opportunities. Did not do well against Wagner for some reason. A strange, really, really low grade that's very uncharacteristic with what's going on here. Pass blocking is better than run blocking, except for that Wagner game. Against Virginia, against Purdue, against UConn. This feels like that first one where you're kind of, all right, here we go. Let's see what you got for me. But Bergeron, from from all accounts, is a good athlete. I'm going to be tuning into this game because I want to see Bergeron um, more. But I've heard great things, and I think the 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 draft sphere is getting onto him a little bit more, which is very exciting. Uh, we talked about Darnell Wright last week against Alabama, against Will Anderson. Probably worth your time as well at 2.30. CBS, Bama, Tennessee, big game. That's worth your time as well uh, because – He's if he's if he doesn't get draw Anderson for the majority of his snaps, well, guess what? He's drawing probably 2024 top 10 pick Dallas Turner. So he's gonna get a top matchup, whoever lines up opposite him. So that's again another one that you probably should tune into. So I think those four tackles are, are the ones in what's a little bit more of a meh week uh in terms of matchups on the in the trenches. I would say that I don't even know who, um, excuse me, kind of like half yawning, but I don't know who Northwestern plays. Um, they might be off. I don't see them here. But uh, when uh, Northwestern plays some high-profile guys, tuning into Skaronsky might be worth it just because he the arm length thing could push him down. That's all I'll say. Jalen Duncan, of course, might might leapfrog him. As well, we've talked about him on here plenty, plenty of times. Now I'm going to go to something that's maybe not what you'd expect. Um, but FCS football, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. If you have ESPN Plus, you can watch this game at, also at 2.30, I believe. So this afternoon slate is packed with players to watch for Packers fans. Uh, Tucker Craft is back. Okay, he played. I, he caught one pass for seven yards. He was out really quickly with a knee injury against Iowa in the opener. That was a game I really wanted to see him play in, uh, for obvious reasons. Obviously, you know, anytime you're punching up from FCS to FBS, big deal. So I want to see him this week. This is one, I believe, one versus two, right, with North Dakota State and South Dakota State. But Tucker Craft, okay. Uh. In line, pass blocking, 27 snaps last year. In the slot, 113 snaps. Out wide, 38 snaps. Okay. Oh, pass blocking, 27. He was in line, 209 snaps. My bad. So, a lot of snaps out wide, but a lot of snaps in line as well, which is very interesting. Uh, 406 yards after the catch last season. Really good number, uh, and that's of the 770 yards he had. So he had 65 catches, 770 yards, six touchdowns. Okay, uh, 6.2 yards after the catch per reception, 2.38 yards per route run, with a 7.5 a dot. Uh, nine of 12 in contested spots, pretty good. 128.6 rating when targeted. This guy's legit. 
and I do think there are some concerns with Michael Mayer's functional athleticism, this could be tight end one in this class. And I don't know if a South Dakota State tight end, because again, that small school kind of blindness, bias, whatever you want to call it, subconscious, as someone might say on Twitter, he might not be a first round pick anyway. This could be a second rounder, second round home run type that the Eagles are enjoying with Dallas Goddard right now. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. Watch Tucker Craft. If you have ESPN Plus, do it. Just regale me. Do it. Okay? So that's that's a big one that I think you should absolutely be tuning into. I didn't have a lot of other ones to, to you know really highlight because I really want to harp on the tackles. Uh, I really wanted to harp on, obviously, you know, Tucker Craft because I do think he is, again, a talented talented tight end um I, I will i will say i think highlighting the bama safeties in this game is is an important one uh because they're gonna get a run for their money for sure uh brian branch uh who plays a lot of star a lot of slot you know jordan battle demarco Helms, like they're gonna get cedric tillman there's this is a high-powered offense hendon hooker's playing really good ball Again, if the Packers were in need of a quarterback, Hendon Hooker, I would say, you know, watch him. But again, this is this is the headliner game for a reason. Uh, th- we're going to see what Hendon Hooker's made of in this one. It's a home game, but it's against Alabama. It's going to mean everything. If he go, if he wills that team, you know, game-winning drive-type-esque stuff uh, against Bryce Young, against Alabama, I'm not a QB wins guy, but like, Scouts are going to eat this up if he can win this game. If he can go down a game-winning drive and win it, scouts will eat it up. So it's important for these Bama safeties. I want to see what they got. Uh, I want to see you know what we can do on the back end because they're going to be tested. So watch all three of them. Brian Branch, where's 14? You can even watch Malachi Moore, 13. Uh, Jordan Battle, I believe, where's 9? And Helms, where's 2? Bama secondary is loaded, but, you know, it's kind of a eh, we'll see type of thing uh, with those guys. Um, again, 2.30, Jalen Duncan, if you want to watch him against Indiana, that's at 2.30 as well. Everything's at 2.30. The slate is so weird this week, but, you know, if you're if you're feeling, you know, feeling spicy, you want to watch, uh, want to watch another tight end again. I've mentioned Dalton Kincaid. This is against USC. Big game, 7 o'clock on Fox or 7 o'clock Central on Fox. Uh, Jared Verse, edge rusher, Florida State, very talented, racking up pressures after transferring there. He's got Clemson. So it gives you an idea, you know, maybe watch Brian Brzee and all those boys, Trenton Simpson. Like, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, if you're into just, oh, I'm watching it for quarterbacks, you know, might be worth checking Levis against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's got a good corner to Emmanuel Forbes. Getting a lot of looks in the first round. So it's it's maybe not the best week for Packer fans in terms of, oh, watch these guys because, you know, you're looking at tackle. I, I mentioned already, though, you're looking at tight end. You're looking at safety. Top safety, I mean, you know, if you're look, if you're kind of a Brandon Joseph guy, you love the single high stuff. They're playing Stanford. Notre Dame is. Uh, now, 
I, I LSU and Florida is at six on ESPN, six PM Central. LSU has a safety who I need to check his name, and this is the last guy I'm going to throw out uh, before we go. But LSU's got a safety, and I have to know, I have to remember this name because I think he's he's eligible, and I don't know why. Oh, edge rushers, defensive line. Auburn and Mississippi play while I'm looking for this name. Auburn and Mississippi play early. Uh, It's a good time to watch Colby Wooden, uh, kind of a one-gapping defensive tackle, pass rush specialist type who's going to knife gaps in the run game as well if if they're a one-gap type of team uh, at the next level. That would be a guy to watch for. He's a good pass rusher, has a lot of length. Derek Hall, same thing, 29. Good edge rusher. Probably should be getting more hype. But again, yeah, also, if you want to watch B.J. Ojolari, who's got moves on moves on moves, ghost move, bend, can threaten the outside arc, great inside move, you know, he spin move, he can do it all. He gave Evan Nielsen problems last year. Watch him against Florida. Jay Ward, safety, number five, six one one eighty four. I I would I would take a look. That's all I'll say uh, because I'm, I may or may not be putting something uh, together on him. But I would just take a look. We're looking for safeties. Grades have been a little bit all over the place uh, so far. He's got a 29 overall grade against Tennessee. Yikes. Uh, But he had a 90 against Mississippi State, 70, almost a 70, 68.1 against Auburn. Might be worth checking out against Florida this week. Just saying. Uh, he's, he's a pretty good player, at least at the college level for now. He's a senior. He's probably going to be at the Senior Bowl, in my opinion. So a lot of guys to watch for this week. Like I said, if you have ESPN+, Plus, watch Tucker Craft. If you're not going to watch anybody else, watch Tucker Craft. Promise. It, it will definitely be worth it. So that's going to do it for the show this week, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you want to send in just NFL draft questions in general, you know, even if it's not about the backers, that's totally fine. Like, oh, what would you do if you're the Panthers? You know, are you going to fire sale or not uh, the trade deadline? I would say no. I would be pretty tactical in who I trade. Uh, if you want the full answer on that, you know, ask it and, and I'll answer it. So uh, it, we, we could do a mailbag at some point, but I think a mailbag's better reserved for January, February, March, and April when we can do maybe if Ryan wants us to a couple shows a week where we can do a mailbag one and then kind of do our own thing. That's also possible. But again, send those questions in. I will definitely uh, answer them to the best of my ability. And that's really going to do it. Like I said, you can follow me at JKML draft on Twitter, uh, do some stuff with Substack, YouTube, and obviously NFL draft coverage writing as well. So I'm a lot of places, but at JKML draft on Twitter, will get you kind of, that's kind of the intermediary of sorts to all the other places. So thank you guys again for listening. Hope it was a an interesting episode um, for you guys and, and a little bit different each week. Feedback's always encouraged. But I'm going to take off now. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend of football. We'll see you guys next week.